Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. What's up? It's Kaylee Cuoco. When it comes to travel, we all have a happy place. I just went to my happy place. I just went to Maui, and it was truly amazing. Priceline has always been about getting you to your happy place for a happy price with deals you really can't find anywhere else, like up to 60% off select hotels in Costa Rica or five-star hotels for two-star prices in Cabo. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called... Um, the name escaped me. Obviously, sharing's always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. Taking it like a win, please. Um, a bit of advice for the player yeah. sort of one. I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the great cricketer. On today's show, we're talking T20 World Cup relocations. We're talking Australian cricket. We're talking England cricket. We're talking the Ashes. Steve Harmy Harmison is on the show. Before we get into hashtag RCDC, not to forget that Dinesh Kardik has said some shit. We need to dissect that as well. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. You can use the code CHAMP for free custom design at budgiesmuggler.com. My name is Ian Higgins. Sam Perry sits across from me and I, him, Pezzy Lad. Hello and welcome back. Thanks very much. And thank you for welcoming me back. It feels like it's been a little while. Hasn't though. But it hasn't at all. Um, as I said, that more, some, some cricket's been played. Apart, you know, aside from football coming home, cricket's here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really care about England, Sri Lanka. And I feel like the people don't either. Sri Lanka didn't. They turn up. They yep. know things. Let's find out. You don't want to st- discuss like England's lack of death bowlers because they didn't even have to try. <laughs> Darwin Milan's you know, poor run of form for two games. Uh, no, what I want to talk about is Dinesh Karting on comms uh, mm. for Sky saying, and I quote, Bats are like a neighbor's wife. They always feel better. What, what, why don't we let the what? Why don't we let the listeners uh, into how it sounded in context? Yeah, please. Yeah? Okay. Bats are like a it's like a neighbor's wife. They always feel better. Always. You just hear some laughter in the background as we <laughs> yeah. cut that off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He goes well. What's your take on that, mate? Oh, he might have had a, um, a good experience with a neighbor. That's what I mean. They might have a, a, a shoulder to cry on, an yeah. ear, mm-hmm. a listening ear. Yeah, pop around next door for a, uh, a, a drink. What, mate? Oh, or a conversation. Salt and pepper. Rub and tug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pop next door for a rub and tug. Pop next door for a rub and tug. <laughs> How long are you going to be for? Hour. I lived in a rental property once. Now Here you we say go. that. Now we're talking. Subdivided. I know exactly what you're talking about. Subdivided. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, pretty sure that the on the other side of the division was indeed a rub and tug. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, the landlord didn't want to discuss it much. Didn't want to discuss it much there in, uh, I don't have to say where. 
The first time we ever met. <laughs> but um, just, no, that's a different spot. That's a different <laughs> I know, house. I don't know, it's a different spot. You got a real taste. Well, I, I, I'd always, story? well I'd always suspected that, um, you know, it was more than a massage place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or a, I suppose, what could you, what would you call it? You know, a traditional Thai massage place, for example. Mm, how traditional are we talking? Um, oh, you know, just your deep tissue. Your com- how traditional are we talking? Your com- Is it deep tissue? Or are you getting your combination? You know, rub one out? Oh yeah, it had the neon flashing light at the front. Yeah, 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 yeah. All good. Yeah, had a had a sort of a like that that acupuncture silhouette picture on the front as well. Yeah, everything looking good. Everything yeah, the good. blinds were shuttered. Yeah. I always had I always had a suspicion, but um, mm-hmm. I never said anything to my then girlfriend, now wife, because mm-hmm. like I don't, that, we just don't need to raise any of that kind of stuff or create mm-hmm. that kind of mm-hmm. suspicion mm-hmm. in the house. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> one day I got home and um, mm-hmm. and Tori, my wife, is like, it's like, oh, the um, the water, like uh, we we lost water, like we ran out of water in the mm-hmm. house. Water was turned off or something. Mm-hmm. So so I go around to the other place off mm-hmm. the back of our house mm. knock on their door i'm like she's like at the massage place i'm like oh yeah so I walk in and the the <laughs> woman at the front's in a leopard print skirt <laughs> oh yeah no there's anything wrong with that <laughs> like, okay she's like yeah there was pornography all over the all over the yep. uh the front yep. Like, mm, yep. okay that can mean one of two things pornography all over the front what uh so but yeah who who knows with dinesh he goes on, on that note but i do you agree with that agree with what the notion that, that, that the other <laughs> that, uh, two notions that do you agree with the notion of rub and tugs? <laughs> also, <laughs> also, do they exist? And also that other people's bats feel better because I don't think that's true. Mm. With respect, I've never played international cricket. Dinesh Kartik has, so what do I know? But I don't know if that's, I don't remember picking up someone else's stick and being like, "This is better than mine." It feels weird. Oh, I see where Dinesh is you know when you from go to someone, a concept. The grass is always greener. But you know when you go to someone else's house and their water tastes different? Because the, the plumbing's different, the taps are yeah. different? Uh, I, I understand. I've had that experience like going to a different country. Okay. But the water tends to taste the same for nah, me. I disagree. So, yeah, it's okay. I disagree. Yeah. Uh, you might have more a more sensitive palate. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've always said that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I agree with the notion of rub and tugs. Uh, well, <laughs> that's a, that means a <laughs> philosophical question. <laughs> How many cricket teams do you think have been sponsored surreptitiously by rub and tugs? Plenty, plenty. I think maybe the cricket team sponsored them. <laughs> <laughs> Use the code Champ for ten percent off. I said this before. Oh, you get I was yourself going, off. I was going to a uh, a um, like an end of season presentation mm-hmm. at a really? brothel. No, well, no, but it was really beautifully done. It was well put together at a very salubrious place and yeah. everyone was invited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, cl- the, cl- the club has men's and women's teams, lots of families sure. and stuff like that. Inclusive environment. Talking to the uh, president. This is a long time ago. I was talking to the yeah. president. He's like, March. He's like, man, in the 70s, the way we used to raise funds was like the, the blokes had come in for a porn and chicken night. <laughs> Come a long way. <laughs> it's come a long way. Same club. Uh, <laughs> it used to be a porn night. Yeah, this needs. <laughs> no, it's gonna be KFC. Oh, that's fucking grotesque. Yeah, well, that's porn and chicken. That's right. So, um, it's just the yeah eating of animals. I think. Um, mm-hmm. he goes on the speaking of um bats feeling good. Yeah. Um. 
on the weekend. I have to, I have to share on on the weekend. Yeah, yeah. So I want to get into this. I took my first trip in what would have to be nearly a decade mm-hmm. to a brothel. <laughs> <laughs> Thirteen things in my head there. Uh, <laughs> no way. Um, the equivalent in many ways, uh, a, a cricket shop, a cricket yeah. equipment shop, cricket shop. You said shop. Shop, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a chop shop. It was not a chop shop. <laughs> it's near some chop shops. Yeah. Uh, Where'd you go? So I went to Greg Chapel. Greg Chapel. Center. Greg Chapel Chop Shop. <laughs> That's what you should call it. He should. I, I went for the first time in a decade, and yeah. mate, and I took my th- I took my little boy. Yeah. Just because I had not because I was taking not I wasn't shopping for him. Right. Um, and mate. Just what a sociological experience it is. Man, in terms going of picking up bats, that's that's yeah, paradise. That is paradise. The entire the entire exercise though, from the moment you walk in. Like you walk in and you're in the you know, you're in a you're in Disneyland of cricket equipment. Yeah, that's right. You know? And you're thirty five. Yeah. And you're thinking, I'd play it, be cool. Yeah, yeah. Be cool. So what do, do you, what do you go to first? You go to like brands that you would never usually associate with. I'm thinking like a Puma or a New Balance or things that you wouldn't usually buy or have had before. Or do you go straight to your Kookaburra, Granix or whatever you had? Like with a lot of shops, the first thing I do is pretty much browse the whole shop. I, I sort of I just, sort of just a do a rec, rec on of the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. Just do a yeah. lap just to get my bearings. Yeah. He's here. This is this. Now just I think, t- t- like, sort of bookmark a few places. I think to this come is back. the example. Like a lot of um, a lot of the female listeners, I hope I can relate to this. They often like will look at the menu before they go to the restaurant. Whereas me, for instance, when I'm going to that restaurant, I'm looking at the menu for the first time. I don't oh, plan yeah. ahead. I'm going to a Kingsgrove Sports or a yeah. Greg Chapel Center. I've looked at that catalog for weeks beforehand. Yeah. I know where everything's placed. I know right. where the bathroom is. I know the guy's name. <laughs> catalog. The catalog. Yeah. On your yeah. age. Some sticky pages there. Let me tell you. <laughs> Wow, so um, I go in, I go in to this shop, and like, there's about five. It's the weekend. It's about five or six blokes like scattered around the shop. No, it's only, it's no, only making a, eye contact. Well, this is the thing. It's only it's only open for about four hours on a Saturday. It's the middle of winter. Yeah, like, of course, in Australia, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Melbourne. It's like probably yeah. about six degrees outside. Six Perfect. Degrees. Yep. Just a couple of blokes in a Greg Chapel mm. going through some equipment. Mm-hmm. I go in, and this will be my season. I'm looking. I'm looking around. Vaguely, generally chatting with my little boy, yeah. you know, his renegades and a um, and a stars kit there. Which one do you like? Right. That sort of stuff. Yeah. And um, you can actually see how kids like T Twenty Cricket as well, like where they gravitate. But anyway, different thing. Um, yeah. And this like bloke comes over to me. He's like, "Oh, can I help you, man? Just really nice, nice bloke. Mm-hmm. Wants to help. Mm-hmm. Like all of a sudden, my voice is three octaves lower." <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I couldn't clock his eyes, averted yeah. his gaze yeah. into the distance. Yeah. Couldn't have adopted a more nonchalant attitude. Of course, yeah. Um, couldn't have used the corner of my mouth more. 100%. All right, man. And he, and he pretended not to know who you were. Don't know. I couldn't see him. I wasn't looking <laughs> at him. I just heard a voice. <laughs> <laughs> Saw a silhouette you know, coming over. Could have been a robot. <laughs> Moved my eyes around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Could have been anything. <laughs> Um, yeah, son, just like, you okay, dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, the other, the other experience, so I was trying to get like, I was trying to, it's a long story, but like, I was trying to get a bag, um, mm-hmm. cricket bag. Uh, and, uh, anyway, like I get to the front of the counter at the end, I've got my, I've got my cricket bag and then I've got, um, I've also got a, a box. Yeah. Right. 
And um, as in a protector, Hector protector. Yeah, got it. Yeah, which they call abdominal protectors in the uh, in the shop. Abdominal protectors. Yeah, I mean it's it's obviously but euphemism, uni- but they're not unisex. No. So, I, I saw the women's ones there as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they were called abdominal protectors okay. anyway. That's a lie. Don't know. Cr- yeah, cricket is a lie. And that's I had to keep looking. I'm like, nah, that no, nah, that's a box. Yeah. Um, and then so all of the all of the top of the range bats are behind the counter. Oh, are people nicking bats? I don't know, but around this is just at this particular shop, but around the perimeter of the. Of, uh, am I right? Just talking slowly about this. I know mean, there's a lot to get through. There's not I just really. Feel like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> around the perimeter is all the bats, but they didn't get. Sort of about four or five hundred bucks, five six hundred dollars, yeah, okay. somewhere Australian. Yeah. A lot of money back in the day. Back in the day, yeah. But all of the premium bats were behind the counter, oh, kind yeah. of like the, all the good alcohol, yeah, like yeah, the good yeah, cigarettes, yeah. cigarettes, yeah, all the good cigarettes. <laughs> Where are your good cigarettes? <laughs> Where are your long champs? And, and there's another bloke there at the front, like a customer, and he says. He says, I overhear him say, because I'm listening, you know, fucking radar oh, and, yeah, antenna yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, your head's red. With yeah, heat. exactly. Yeah. Can I have the Grey Nickels top of the line? Oh, top of the range, is that? And then yeah. he was given the Grey Nicks. And he's like, it's $1,800. Holy he, shit, $1,800. $1,800. $1, and he's smashing it into the into oh, the ground. Like, like um, sacrilegious. Taking guard, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Picking up. Because I was watching Steve's comparing, YouTube video. Well, exactly. <laughs> One minute nineteen of pure gold, <laughs> marking your guard. Learn from <laughs> no, the best. I prefer the Ray Martin interview. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I say to the guy at the front, I'm like, can I have the GM, the great, the, the Gun and More icon? I just wanted to see what a twelve hundred dollar bat felt like. Twelve hundred, yeah. Okay. And he gives me the, and it's got, it's by weight. He gives me the two twelve. I'm like, no, no, can I, have, can I have the two nine? Yeah, two twelve. That's a heavy stick. Heavy stick. Yeah. That's what I said. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a heavy stick. Heavy? Yeah. Gives me a 2.8. Oh, well, fucking get out of here. It's a toothpick. Oh, I've got to say, though, picking it up, it's like fucking Flanders. It was like, I'm picking up nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Just, there's so much wood. Mate, unbelievable. And it's, and it's air. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. This, you are picking up nothing yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah. We're getting some real areas of like, geez, bats are bigger these days, but it's... it's how does it, it how's how, so how big? quickly it has changed from like what even we use, like... Yeah. My last stick, like five years ago, is a fucking toothpick compared to these things now. They are, like the the technology behind it is unbelievable. Right. It's same golf club. Feel actually. like nothing. I'd yeah. love to hit a ball like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, what'd you buy? Oh, I ended up getting like a duffel bag and a, a box. Okay, yeah. I'm just I'm, I'm I'm slowly sort of recalibrating my cricket gear. I've got none at the moment. Yeah, are we saying why you're doing this? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, as we go, to, I mean, by the time people listen to this, it will have happened. But basically, over last few days, people will have noticed, some will have noticed if you follow Peter Hatzaglue, that uh, having lost his state contract, he is now documenting his training regime being teamless through the winter. And mm-hmm. I think that's a very respectable thing. And so he's documenting his net sessions, his fitness sessions and all that sort of stuff. So I saw this and he's a friend of the show. And I noticed that he was training basically around the corner from where I live. So I texted him. I said, if you need, if you need someone to tune up with... <laughs> If you need, you know, X1s, opening stick. <laughs> yeah. Some would describe me as an organised technician. Right. You know? Yeah. Send me CV. HMU. I think that's, I had to look that up. On, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he's, he's totally into it. Right. He's okay. like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get so, a coffee so after. You're, so, so you're netting I'm, with Hatsaglue. I'm, I'm netting with Hatsaglue tomorrow. And I'm just considering it more like, 
I haven't hit, I haven't hit for a while. I'm like sort of well, a long time. Mm-hmm. Kind of like going to church, you know. It's been a lot, like I've lost sort of lost my faith. My faith has wavered. And I want to go back to church. I want you know I want to face Peter Hatzaglu, mm. leg spin, you know, brotherhood stuff. Sure. Somehow I think I'm going to be okay, and I know that I'm not. He's going to blow your front paddle. He's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just, you know, it's more like, you know, well, he, he bowls quite quick, so it's like it's more like right arm in swing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's yeah. a listener of the show, so. Yeah, I wouldn't get the broom out for him. Oh, I'll be getting the yug. Yeah, <laughs> put him on the back foot. And that's our assessment of Dinesh Kartik saying, bats are like a neighbor's wife. Um, all right, Pez, let's go straight into uh, the T20 World Cup announcement this week. Uh, so that's been moved from um, India. Because of COVID and obviously monsoon season. It's a monsoon season. <laughs> it's a monsoon season. It's not going to be played in the UAE and Oman. That makes sense because the IPL is going to be played in the UAE from late September to early October. The World Cup is October 17th to November 14th. How long is that? That's uh, 20 odd days, something like three weeks. Um, and there's also a T20 World Cup next year in Australia, just because they do this every two years now for some reason. Um, but I, su- I suppose the um, that's just top line news about the World Cup, and I suppose everything for an, in Australian sense, everything's heading towards that first before the Ashes. There's obviously more cricket to be played, like the hundred. Um, there's obviously England India Test series to be played as well. But from the Australian perspective, there's a conversation happening now, which seems to be like should players, should the Australian players have their contracts, have their uh, their positions in the team, the national team, be uh, put in jeopardy <clears throat> if they choose their franchise over representing their country. In specifically what we're talking about here is this these two series between the West Indies, which starts on Saturday for Australia, and Bangladesh after that. Seems to me it's a very niche specific argument because the IPL um, never it only there's literally a specific window the IPL exists in a six week window where there's no other cricket being played. So this idea that like players are choosing franchise over country is really only confected in this COVID environment where it's been really weird for the last two years, right? And the idea that um, like Cummins, Smith, et al. are going to get dropped because they are going to miss the third ODI, you know, against Bangladesh uh, in September um, because they're playing for KKR or whatever. Yeah, you're going you're to drop them for the Ashes because they're going to miss these uh, couple of white ball games. Wouldn't have thought so. Yeah, you can see the conversation rising with this around the country. I can't believe that players, our top players, would pick. Their Indian franchise over, you know, over representing the, well, the you know the famed black jersey of the T Twenty side. That's right. That's <laughs> Is right. It black or dark green? Yeah. Got, let us yeah. know. Yeah, a, uh, a a a mode of the sport that Australia's never taken seriously. But the idea, I suppose, is like, I can't believe you'd go for your franchise over your country. Club versus country. Yeah. You know, an Indian franchise versus yeah. your nation. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you're playing against, and you see it parroted by guys that. Uh, played in a different generation, you wonder whether those guys, how those guys would have made their decisions. But then again, he goes, and and to to my mind, I think that that entire conversation probably reflects more about the general disconnect with cricket that Australia has when the cricket is beyond its borders, you know, that the nation has. Yeah, I agree. Um, The IPL will be a very fine preparation for the T20 World Cup Mm. for a lot of those guys. Mm. Uh, it only won't be in so far as it'll be a lot of cricket in a row, uh, in, in one go when you're missing your family and you're, you're quarantining and that sort of stuff, which is fair enough. And it was given some credit because, to be fair, Aaron Finch has made comments on it, the the, the white ball captain. Mm-hmm. He said, I think they would find it hard to justify going back and playing that second half of the IPL. So he's brought it into question, mm-hmm. um, just purely based on the workload coming up with the T20 World Cup and a huge home summer. So there's sort of he's putting it in the context of like, yeah, we... 
you can't do each of, you know, playing for your country, playing the IPL, mm-hmm. then going to play the Ashes. You know, you have to kind of make your choice. And he's saying perhaps you need to reconsider your IPL uh, obligations or your IPL contracts, as Mitchell Stark has. Mm-hmm. So Stark has said uh, it's a really tough situation. Oh, no, well, well, Finch said it's a really tough situation. But Stark has kind of, to be fair, is like just gone, now. Nah, I'm going to leave the IPL out. I'm going to um, see my family. Uh, and just get myself ready for the for the white ball stuff. I think it is a little bit different for everybody, but I think this idea of like it's you know un-Australian to go mm. and play for your IPL team is mm. a little bit naive. I think those guys are going to be. I think those guys are going to be fine for the T Twenty World Cup. Was but was Stark Stark decided not to go into the, this year's IPL? Was he even going to be? Could he be contracted like drafted in? Because there's going to be guys missing. Like the English guys might not go, for instance, to the to the second half of the IPL. I'm not sure. Uh, well, either way, he's made a call. Yeah, he's made a call. And said, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Uh, it's a, You can't really judge, can you? You've probably played three or four IPLs. You might feel like your coin's looking pretty good. Pretty good. And you, he doesn't get to see uh, Alyssa very much because their schedules conflict. So, of course, yeah. Yeah, but I think a lot of this kind of gear around, you know, it's, um, you know, that it would be regrettable if you played in the IPL mm. uh, when you're talking about missing a West Indies Bangladesh tour is a bit, is a bit much. Yeah, and also I need to know the quarantine requirements for those countries as well, like moving from the West Indies to the Bangladesh, famously not mm. the same country, Sam. Mm. So they yeah. have to do like another quarantine period in there, I would have thought mm. anyway, not knowing anything about the current um, COVID situation in Bangladesh. But um, but with the, if they're all going to be in the UAE, it makes it pretty simple to do like one quarantine in the UAE, then go straight into the, like you're already there, then you just meet up with the team who joined later for the World Cup. It's in the same spot. So mm. there's less quarantine there. I'm not sure. I mean, again, this is a very specific example of like this is only happening because of COVID. Mm. You look at what's happening with the England setup in terms of the rotation that they're doing, guys pulling out of um, test matches, ODI, white ball stuff, whatever, because they don't want to quarantine over again. Marnus mm. was not picked to do the white ball stuff because he was going to have to quarantine for something like 38 days for like 10 days of cricket or some shit. You know, this is a very unique situation. What you're saying is because of COVID, people need to cool their jets. Cool their jets. Cool thy jets. Cool thy jets. Now, Pez, we saw a wonderful photo in the Gold Coast with the team just getting getting back together. <laughs> the Aussie team. The Aussie team getting together. Yeah, this is my gear. And everyone, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's come out and they said... It's looking good. Everyone said, all good with JL. No problems there. Of course, there was a review into the uh, the, the team's performance and uh, the relationship with Langer and the team. After last summer, a few things came out. Didn't seem that happy. Now everyone's saying, all good. Everything's good now. Everyone's well, happy. Well, they addressed it. They've addressed it. Addressed it. It was a big picture. They had a big fitness session. Everyone's face was red. Always looking good. You know, everyone's happy. Mm. Dolphins going arm in arm. Big time. Jail on the side. Little little sweater around his looking around good around his neck. Looking good. Chompers out there. <laughs> and and he goes. Uh, there was a very uh, like a very interesting piece from Pete Lawler recently. It was a, a about Justin Langer and his what's been going on and he's right. changes and right. l- 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 not to paraphrase Lawler's piece. It's a very interesting piece. I encourage people to read it if they can. Slang has got a leak passion. Passion is his strength and weakness. He's complicated. He can read the room and misread it. Um, but as we can see, they've gone to the Gold Coast. They've addressed the criticism around his moodiness and his grumpiness. It was hard for him, but he took it on the chin Done a fitness session and apparently we're all good now. Fuck yeah, that must have been a hell of a fitness session. Apparently we're all good now. <laughs> you know, it's that funny. He goes like with 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 Langer. It's a long summer. It's a lot. There's a long like there's a lot lot of cricket to be played. 
long time away from the Ashes as well. Mm-hmm. But the West Indies-Bangladesh series could be interesting. <clears throat> I find it funny how questions around Langer seem to centre around, like, management of his personality. Like, if, you know, we need to understand what he's like. Right. Uh, as though it's, like, the only real sticking point. Mm-hmm. You know, other than that, they should be pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. on paper. But I think in the clear light of day, you know, JL is into his fourth year. Australia's third in the test rankings, one rating point ahead of England, whatever the fuck that means. Mm-hmm. They missed the World Test Championship final. They made the semis of the ODI World Cup where they were easily beaten. They're mm-hmm. fifth in T20I cricket. They lost to India's second, third team at home. They had a, a, a good draw in the Ashes. They, they retained the urn, which yep. was good. Yep. Um, but I think, like, forgetting personality intricacies, like, he could be the Dalai Lama and his, his record – Still mean he's should be under a little bit of pressure mm. know, coaching Australia. People expect mm. you to be somewhere near the top. They're mm. not. Mm. So there should be some rightful yeah. conversation about how the team could be improved, right? Yeah, mate. And it's, it's interesting where, like, we've spoken about this in the wa- uh, for a while now that this team is so close to being a really great team, but mm. they haven't been. Mm. They, they haven't been a great team. They weren't a great team under Lehman. The last great team we had was probably Ender Clark. Would that be right? 2015, won the World Cup as well. Swept England might in the Might have been ashes. the last time they were number one. Yeah. It might have even been a few years earlier than that. Yeah, like you've called them, it's a good phrase for it, an almost team. Mm. Was it? Is that right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They've brought in Michael DiVenuto and Jeff Vaughan as coaches this week as well. I don't know much about Jeff Vaughan, to be fair. Um, mm. Michael DiVenuto is very highly rated. He's very highly rated at Surrey. Uh, and he was he was formerly the batting coach of the national side as well. And people mm. rated him really highly there. Uh, be interesting to see if he's, you know, is he complimentary mm. um, or is he another layer between Langer and the players? It's just a question. I don't know the answer to that. Um, I just noticed he goes that like any time these players, like the players or the coach, captain or the coach, a question about anything, they um, they always seem to be introducing mitigating factors, you know, uh, to every example of underperformance. So There's been a lot about the over race, World Test Championship, mm. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm running through a few things. Like at the time when so, – so for background – uh, one reason Australia missed out on the World Test Championship final is they were docked points in Melbourne against India for slow over rates. Uh, and that ended up being the amount of, the, the number of points that they needed to make the final, right? Mm-hmm. At the time, so after, after they were docked points, Langer said, quote, um, it wasn't until after the game that we realised our over rate was down. That's really slack on our behalf. Um, Pat Cummins echoed it, saying he wasn't aware during the test that they were behind the rate. Uh, he said, I hadn't heard anything about the over rates. Um, and then Pete Lawler did a profile piece on Tim Payne recently as well. And he was going on Payne to say, like, we missed out because um, we were slowing out uh, overrates that, uh, in a game that finished on day four we were, um, where we only bowled 16 overs. We had a day and a half to go. We bowled 16 overs. If we had Nathan Lyon for a little bit longer, we would have been ahead by 35th over, right? Mm-hmm. He goes on to say, India only So in the fourth innings, India only needed 70 to win, but it was still a test match, and I wasn't going to take the piss and open with a spinner in those circumstances. You have to respect the game to some degree. So it sort of sounds to me like, that could be wrong, but like he considered bowling line because of overrates. Mm. Do you follow me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, why would he have considered that if, as they claim, they weren't aware of an issue uh, until after the game was finished? Were they or were they not aware of the overrate issue? I mean, Payne's comments suggest to me, like, thought about bowling line. Why would you do that if you didn't know it was an overrated issue? I, maybe that that's explainable. Mm-hmm. My point is, like, 
Payne goes on recently and says, you know, unfortunately we were the team that bore the brunt of the overrate thing. Um, a lot of test match cricket in the last two years where bowlers haven't bowled their overs and I'm sure, uh, I'm not sure how many teams have lost points out of it. So Payne's sort of saying, well, we copped the brunt of overrate issues, but other teams didn't. Like, why, are we, why are we making excuses? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he might have a valid point, but you observe a pattern. Like when something goes wrong, it always seems to be someone else's fault. Mm. You know, um, shouldn't the attitude be like we fucked up? We have to be better. We will be better. Doesn't matter how the ICC want to play with other teams. You know, we've got to be better. I don't just, I just, I, I think people are entitled to be watching th- this team, their culture, their leadership, how they go forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that is kind of the main narrative in Australian cricket heading forward. I mean, I wonder what the what's a, what's a good result for Australia in the T Twenty World Cup? Because I think when the when the tournament was supposed to be held in Australia. In 2020, mm. Australia were favourites to win that, and that was mm. the goal. We started taking a bit more seriously, pump a bit, a bit more resources into the team, um, playing full strength team all the time. That almost never happens in Australian T20 cricket history. Play like a, our strongest team maybe once or twice in mm. a row, you mm. know. Mm. And now then it got obviously COVID's got moved. Now it's in Asia. Now it's a much harder thing to do. Now India be well favourites to be to be to be winning that. England's right back into it as well. I'd imagine New Zealand's always strong. So like, is is a semi final of the World Cup? an acceptable result because here's the thing with the Australian cricket team we fucking think we should win everything every competition we should at least be in the finals that, that's, 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 the, that's the mandate for the Australian cricket team so well, we should make a final pretty soon because we haven't made many lately <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah exactly yeah. I mean, this, but this is kind of the thing with this almost team almost when the Ashes didn't got ourselves into a World Cup semi-final and then got fucking pumped by mm. England um, India should have won that series against a really a weakened team mm. didn't Mm. Uh, lost the series. Ashes coming up. You think, well, we should win that, but like, what is this going to be? A pattern almost team. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, T Twenty I World Cup. Yeah, where, where, where are we meant to set our expectations? Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. It feels so long since we've even played. I mean, I guess you get a bit of a marker mm. um, heading into this series on Saturday um, with uh, with Australia playing the West Indies over there. I'd be curious to watch how they go. West Indies can can play the code. Well, T Twenty yeah. yeah. can play T Twenty. So, don't know. Uh, England cricket pez. Uh, start with this. Uh, England smashed Sri Lanka in every white ball game. <laughs> they played six. Well, they played five and a bit games. They smashed Sri Lanka at all costs and times. Oh my god, that was a decimation. One of the it was ones a mauling. Where, one of the ones where like one of the conversations was Darwin Milan out of form, just missed out twice, and he opened the batting in the third T Twenty game. He hit like seventy six with best, I think, opening the batting. Uh, he's still good. He should, he should probably bat three for England Test matches, Man. but. Like, the, like the, at no point was like any of those games close. Milan, Joe Root scoring runs. Mate, he's, he's one of those guys, Milan. I think it's like uh, how, like, England are with Stark. With, like, as they, they question our relationship, like, Australia's relationship with Stark. It was an absolute worldie. Mm. Australia, I'm not saying Milan's a worldie uh, for Australia, but, like, he scored runs against us. He's a little, he's prickly, you know? Mm-hmm. It's apparently, like, uh, he's not au fait with the team at all yeah, times. Yeah, I don't think they rate him. Yeah. <laughs> They rate him or something, you know. Maybe he's maybe he's abrasive in a way they don't like or something. Yeah, uh, doesn't get maybe doesn't get on with the skipper or something. But like he scores runs relatively often or, and and makes makes good runs. But he's he's his place in the side's always under question. Like if you found, if you uh, heard now, like uh, they they put Milan into the Test side for Australia, you'd be like yeah, well fair play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He can score runs. I don't know if he still is, but he at least was the number one T Twenty I mm. batsman in the mm. world. I don't know. I think he sort of came in to like fill a gap because someone was injured. Then he yeah. just stood really, really well. He's like, he's undroppable now. And they're like, can you fail, please, so we can mm. get another guy back in, mm. please? Can Joe Root bat three in the in the T Twenty stuff? I expect England's white ball side to do well in the T Twenty World Cup. Still an amazing yeah. team. Yeah. They're, they're white ball team. They know still. how to play. Yeah, 
I think this, this I think against Sri Lanka they've been testing a few guys out. Owen Morgan's been there keeping his eye on things. Mm. Uh, Joe Root good anchor. They're 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 pretty covered across the board. Yeah, Liam Levinson came in did really well as well. I know yeah. and Alex Houses can't get into the team because of whatever reason doesn't mm. get along with the team or Morgan or whatever that mm. whatever that clash is. But um, yeah, I think they're a better white ball team than Australia at the moment. Still, I oh, mean, that, I mean that the team hasn't changed that much since when they won the World Cup in 2019. Mm. Um, I've got that winning draw. So, um, Pez, uh, James Anderson, 1,000 first-class mm. wickets. Mm. Pretty good. Yeah, pretty oh, good. It? Well, he took seven for 19. So, brought, he, he took his 1,000th first-class wicket bowling at the James Anderson end. Fucking alpha. <laughs> That's alpha. In a spell of seven for 19 off 10 overs. <laughs> um, Pitch it up, Jimmy. And so you can obviously, like, you, you can say later on, like, you, you don't have to be hyperbolic saying, no, he, man, he took over a thousand wickets. Yeah. He took a thousand. Yeah. But, you know, he's still a ways to go to catch Wilfred Rhodes, who took 4,204 first class <laughs> wickets between 1898 and 1930. So I looked this up. There's 216 people have got a thousand wickets. Not even a big deal. Not really. Like, it, like it's amazing, yeah. but 216 people have done it. Uh, How? <laughs> but that's, it's all 1880 stuff, isn't it? Well, I know with Rhodes, with, with, with Wilfred Rhodes. What like, did he Well, the Dex used to do a little so bit more back stump. then. And his recovery was very good. A lot of hot, cold showers and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He could keep himself on the park. Yeah, Between 1898 and 1930. <laughs> did he skip the war? Yeah, he could bowl. Fuck no, he could bowl. Though. He could bowl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a white, white feather in the letterbox. Um Mate, what about what? What's with cricket? How Allegedly. guys guys can score two hundred runs with toothpicks, batting in a business shirt in the session, mm. and also guys get like two hundred wicket seasons playing eighteen games. Yeah, better players back then. <laughs> they didn't have Twitter and social media and stuff like that. See, they I could, could just focus on their games. Like Bradman scored three hundred in the day, didn't he? Once yeah. uncovered wickets, he could play. Yeah, well, he could stick allegedly, but. I don't understand. I suppose the bowling and uncovered wickets. I can understand a guy getting four thousand first class mm. wickets. I just always think about these guys because obviously we look back on the guys from you know black and white TV era, business shirt era. We don't rate them at all. They bowled mm. fifty k's an hour, but like you still That's hear right. these stories about when they crossed over, like mm. Bradman after his career, like ten years after his career in mm. administration and cricket, you know, Australian cricket board or whatever the fuck they were called, like facing Lily kind of thing and like showing him how it was done. And then like Greg Chappell was coaching Australia A in ninety four, ninety five, okay. and got in and faced all the opening bowlers to show him how it was done. So like they could obviously. Oh, isn't there pl- a story where like he didn't he didn't wear pads? Yeah, or something? some gloves or something. Yeah, yeah he was naked. <laughs> it was a hazing ceremony. He was hazing. He said, "This is what we used to do." <laughs> Louis Van Gaal, look at my balls. Yeah, and you know, yeah. That's why Bradman was taking off his pads. Yeah. So what's that? Protecting what's his protecting his dick. Ray Martin said he had big hands. Bradman had to have done. Yeah, had to. Like Can't when, be that when good. did cricket get good? Because like, like, did it get good? Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. when you could see it in coloured television. Like, was Lily that good? Did it get good? Oh five Ashes, <laughs> yeah. still in disbelief that England won. <laughs> was that good? Is Simon Jones' ball the best ball you've ever seen? <laughs> to Clark, I'm classic man. I'm still worn. Still ninety three. That was. Yeah. Um, Ollie Robertson Pez has been cleared uh, oh, for his yeah. final suspension, so he's he's going to be available for the selection uh, of the India series selection for the India series later in when's that start August. Mm. Um, so that's good, I guess. That his time eight games, enormous fine, so that looks good. Five of them, five of the games suspended, and he served three, so he's ready to go. He's he's ready to play. Oh, okay. I wasn't aware that he. I thought he just had to miss that for one test match. Is that wrong? Well, he missed three games. Uh, 
I presume that includes some, some first class stuff. Yeah. Or when was he? No, there was two. There was one test after he got done, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there's been two, maybe two ODIs. He missed the World Test Championship final. <laughs> yeah, no. any game anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and five of those games are suspended for two years or something. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Um, so yeah, I also noted he goes that uh, on England cricket that the hundred marketing team, the hundred mm. venture, did a massive press day recently, mm-hmm. and um, had a press conference and uh, and like basically nobody picked it up the next day. There was there was almost minimal there was minimal press about it. So, so the hundred yeah. starts the end of July. I haven't got the date in front of me. It's the end of July though. It was in the press conference, but that's the point. <laughs> that's the point, yeah. When did the Euros finish? Probably in a week. Mm. In about a week, mm. yeah. So it actually could fit in quite nicely. The the country could be in a nationalistic euphoria. Mm. You know, football's just come home, get into the hundred, mm. vaccines rolling around, everyone's back at uh, full capacity. Vaccines rolling around. Um so it could be good, but I just feel like right now, if you're trying to get like cricket into the uh, into the the psyche of the English public, absolutely no danger because they're now favourites when the Euros. I saw this. this Even though there's, no, there's no real crossover between like football and cricket culture. There's a little bit, but like not as much as almost all sports in Australia. I want to ask Steve Harmison about that. Yeah, we haven't spoken to yet. Mm. This article said hundred ways to say nothing. The 100 may have already picked up its first accolade, that of the worst press conference held here. And then later on says, some remarked how the cringeworthy session resembled a meeting of a cult with those involved brainwashing to believe in the competition was going to be anything other than a gimmick. Hmm. There's heaps of people in the UK fucking hate the idea of the 100. Yeah. I guess I can understand. Yeah. Because it's different. It's just, it's a cursed competition. Yeah, it is. It's so it? cursed. Because now heaps of the Australian guys aren't yeah. going to it. Back to well, all of, of course. No, I just mean like more overseas players as well. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. Uh, Pez, before we speak to Steve Harmson, uh, we of course need to give a shout out to our dear friends at Budgie Smuggler. You can, co- you can use the code CHAMP for free custom design at budgiesmuggler.com. I suppose we need a theme here this week. Um, well, a lot of people have been praising Dinesh Kartik's kit. Do you a know? A lot of people have been, yeah. In fairness to Colourful Dinesh. Colourful gear, good yeah, gear. Yeah. Decides to wear a shirt that has colours on it. You know, that's a big deal for cricket. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah. You know, a move away from, yeah, I suppose your softer pastel-coloured suits and ties. Yeah, and a chino. What's not, your chino. Yeah, your, softly your, pressed chino your, into your, a loafer. Your, and your light blue shirt, button-up shirt, obviously. Mm-hmm. Euro cut at the collar, possibly. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Dinesh Kardik, a little bit more 2021, a little bit more colour, a little bit more, a few different splashes mm. in there, a little bit more vibrancy, and he's getting a lot of praise for that. That's in line with Budgie Smuggler's style, yeah. wouldn't you say? We do apparel. Yeah. Do oh, apparel. yeah. Bucket hats, towels. If you will. Shirts. You get custom design for all that. Mm. For all of it, is it? Don't know. Mm. Check on the website. We've just scoot around. Yeah. But you can get that. You can get all of that. Custom design. What is that? Free custom design. If you use our code CHAMP. Free custom design. At BudgieSmuggler.com. And here goes. Our great friends. Are they still? At Manscaped. Where we're talking about the winter package here in Australia, that is. Now, I went to Scape this morning mm-hmm. and I decided not to because I was late. Right, okay. Yeah. But it was there mm. and the actual shape, the shaver was in the shower. I could take it out of the, uh, of the little bucket that's, that's pressed into the wall in my house that contains yeah. all my children's toys for the bath. Yeah, okay. Is that wrong? Uh, As I say that out loud? Um, People go, oh, that's a bit gross. Not really because it's clean. I saw uh, an advert uh, for a rival company on the internet. 
shit. Um, We've got to send this ad to Kyle at Manscaped. Yeah, I know, I know. And the person uh, advertising it was saying that you can use it from your head to your heels or something like that. I don't know if you can use – I mean, you probably can use this, but I would get two. I wouldn't use the same razor on your balls and your face. Oh, God, no. Let's be clear. That's what this advert was promoting. And I was yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah. No, you'd need – I suppose if you wanted to, you I could. I guess if you can do whatever you want. Personally, wouldn't do that. That's the authenticity of this ad. Mm-hmm. Manscaped's here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got any stories about scaping lately? No, not really. No, that's fine. I guess it's getting cold. Let it grow. Warm yourself up. Yeah, it's a winter. But when package. you want to, yeah, when you want to, you can use the Manscaped Lawn Mower 3.0. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> to get rid of all of that shit, you can get. You know, you can, there's a nose trimmer. There's an ear hair trimmer. That's all there. All it's all part of the stuff. Package. All part. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twenty percent off plus free shipping using the code TGC at manscaped.com. They want me to repeat that, but you just heard me say it. So I won't do it. Manscaped.com, TGC. You know how to do it. Twenty percent off. All right, here we go. Steve Harmson. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. All right, some numbers to begin with, just so the man in question can hear them all in one go. 63 tests, 226 wickets, best of 7 for 12, match best of 11 for 76, 8 fifers and a 10 for 58 ODIs, a best of 5 for 33 there. 744 first-class wickets in 211 matches, 27 fifers. Uh, he was the number one bowler in the world for a period. He nailed Ponting in the 05 <laughs> Ashes in his face at one point, which we've all seen on YouTube. Uh, we, as Australians, I would say on behalf of the country, we respected his wheels. We respected his pace. And there's not too many blokes whose wheels we respect in Australia. That's a little secret I'll let you in on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he he was one. Uh, UK folks will be familiar with him on TalkSport. He's also got a brand new YouTube channel. Uh, we're talking to Steve Harmison. Harmy, welcome to The Great Cricketer, mate. Thank you very much for having me. Can I call you Harmy to begin with? Yeah, you call me what you want. Because a lot of people call me a lot worse, to be fair. But yeah, especially Australians, to be fair. I just, I just say from the top, I'm, I don't, I'm sorry if I'm overstepping the mark here, but your salad, your hair is looking unbelievable Terrific. on YouTube here. Like I haven't mm. seen it like that before, but uh, it, it sort of has like a sort of a Mancini style managerial oh, yeah. uh, streak to it. Can, mm. can you walk us through the, the hair? I've gone back to my adolescent used to be fair. Um, I, when I first started playing, um, I, I never forget, I played a game at Warwickshire. My like, my second first-class match, first one away from home. And my hair was like this. It was all over the shop. Because oh. um, it you know, what it was like when I was a kid. Um, it's like secret headbanger, rock, rock, yeah, rock star sort of thing. And I can't remember who the batsman was, but I didn't appeal for an LBW. My first ever captain was a little fella from Australia who terrified the terrified the life out of me. You can say five. About five foot <laughs> yeah, seven. Yeah. And that was David Boone. And he uh, I didn't appeal. And he come marching over, you know, asking me politely in Booney's manner why I didn't appeal. And I said my hair was in my eyes. 
And I didn't have this hair for much longer after that. He marched me to the barbers and got it, told me to get it cut. More or less put a piercing over my head and cut round it and just made sure that I didn't, I didn't get the uh, the hair in the eyes anymore. And I appeal for every LBW after that, even if they were going down leg side, going over the top, or missing by miles. He scared the shit out of me when I first started playing, and he was, uh, in, uh, that was the hair the, from the hair from there never really got that long. So in lockdown, COVID. I went back to the long. It'll come off soon, but I was I was just bored, lazy, and and gone back to my younger days. Normally, when I kick off the interview, Harmy, like I'll ask about grade cricket or club cricket growing up, but I, I want to change that now and just go straight to playing with David Boone yeah. because, like in Australia, David Boone is a cult figure. Like, I mean, he is a real spirit animal for a certain type of Australian of a certain era, and yet, and maybe this is his charm, but we don't hear much from him. You know, he doesn't put himself out there. Maybe it's because he's an ICC official or some shit. But also, he's just, he's sort of seen and not heard. So can you take us inside to what it's like to play with David Boone? Like, does the does the experience match the mystique of it? Uh, and did he teach you anything? Um, yeah, he probably taught me things that I didn't really need to be taught. But, <laughs> yeah, it's very, very start. Um, I knew how to. I knew how to order drinks from the bar, and I usually had to go and get them from the bar. And I knew how to sit and help him drink them. So that was an early, early insight to where my my life was on its way that way anyway. Um, just meeting David at sort of thirty seven, when I think I was only eighteen, nineteen, was um, was something that I, I was brought up in a, a social background. So, um, and but. It took me about, and I would say it took me about three months to even speak to him. I couldn't, I just couldn't speak to him. There's this, this fellow sitting in the corner of the room who was giving directions and telling us where to go and what to do and where to bowl. And, you know, he was a brilliant man, absolutely brilliant man. But I just couldn't speak to him. This is the guy that I've watched on TV just get 100 after 100 against England. Um, He had that famous record that, you know, I'm not sure his wife's, I'm sure Pip's sick of people talking about <laughs> um, on an aeroplane. And he was just brilliant, honestly. What a, what a bloke. And, but he always said, I always said to, I always said, it took me three months to even speak to him. Mm. He said it took six months for him to understand a word I said, because he just, he <laughs> was always, and I, I was a lot more broad Geordie by the, you know, when I was, when I was 18, 18 yeah. 19, I've changed a little bit because of obviously where I've been in the world and I was sick of repeating myself. Um, <laughs> but he just, he just he, he, it, it was just, it was a, it was a fantastic part of my upbringing. When you go on a field with a guy who's played 107 test matches, Durham, were, Durham weren't very good. When he came to Durham, Durham weren't very good. We were, we were crap. We were we, even, even three day games, teams were only, only booking in for two two nights at the hotel because we weren't lasting that long. And then the club changed. The club changed. 1997, when David Boone came to England, I think it was a little bit like Tasmania when Tasmania won the Sheffield Shield for the mm. first time. This character, the aura that he gave off was just amazing. And the three years that he had, that ended, he finished his playing days and finished his first class career in Durham was arguably the, 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 the starting point for Durham to kick off as a, as a club and as a county. Because um, there's a lot of good young players came through at that time, the likes of Paul Collingwood, um, myself, Neil Colleen. Um, mm. We had some good young players that are coming from the little village, the, the little like, mining towns around mm. 
and, uh, and, 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 and Booney just sort of nurtured us in the right direction. But he wasn't there for a, what you sometimes find is overseas finished the days off and he was there for a payday. And, yeah. David wasn't there. David didn't seem to be there for that. He cared about what he was there for. And there was a couple of innings that stick out in my mind. You know, we played against South Africa in 99, I think it was. It would have been his last year. And and I mean, they, got, they went for him. They went for him. We, I, I didn't help it, but I broke Jerry Liedenberg. Yeah, just getting 100 in the first test. I broke his thumb in the first innings. And they had Nancy Haywood, Sean Pollock, Alan Donald, um, Brian McMillan, who were both slippery. Yeah, yeah. And so they had four, four quick bowlers. And they came out and they went at us. But they didn't just go at us, especially when at Booney. I think Donald was bowling around the wicket and he hit him in the side of the grill, bust his grill. And any, or I reckon any other overseas at 37-year-old who'd had his playing days, 107 test matches, would have just chipped one up in the air and walked off. Nah, Booney got 90. He stood there. He took mm-hmm. it between 80 and 90. Stood there, took it, kept hitting it. And it was, it was that, that was an eye-opener for me because mm-hmm. I didn't realise... You know, the game, the toughness of the game, mm. playing against an international team who were playing at international level because they'd played the first test. So they weren't just here for a, you know, for a warm-up. And Booney was just, he was brilliant. And that was that was the realisation that he cared about what he was doing at Durham and the stealing mm. determination that he tried to give to all the young players. Mm. Um, I can't speak highly enough for the guy. He mm. is... He was amazing. Mm. He was amazing. I, I couldn't drive for the first year of my my contract so my wife and my wife my girlfriend at the time wife now all my, my parents had to come pick me up but they're like picking me up at like five o'clock after work mm. we finished training at, th- at sort of half two at three and he'd, he'd sit and it was, I think it was an excuse to get out of the house I think he had a madhouse <laughs> didn't he Jack and the girls and and Pip was there and he would like he would stay for a couple of couple of beers and he's like oh, just waiting on just waiting on me on a lift so I got to know that side of the man but I tell you what 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 an appointment at Durham did mm. getting him and uh, he didn't disappoint but he was brilliant what about uh, what about you growing up Harmy were, were you always just sort of that sort of big, fast bowler buying heavy balls or, you know, we hear a lot of stories about guys who get into international cricket. They started by, you know, opening the batting or bowling some off spin mm-hmm. and they like just go into bowl some pace. Were you, were you always, you know, the big, mean, fast bowler? Not really. Um, not really. I had no interest in cricket when I grew up, really, to be honest. No interest whatsoever. I was football. Mm. Um, my batting skills have always been the same. I've always been a number 11. <laughs> so even when I was a junior, I was a number 11. I just barely got, a, got used to holding the grip properly when I got to first-class cricket. Um, but no, I had no interest in cricket whatsoever. Cricket was a game that was played for me for about eight, ten weeks of the year because I always missed the first six games of the cricket season because I was playing football huh. and I missed the, the, the back end of it because I always started the football season. It wasn't until... I played for Northumberland under 16s, I think it was, against Durham's under 16. And I think it was uh, Jeff Cook was watching Michael Goff, the umpire, the fantastic umpire, mm. great guy as well, Goffy. Um, I think Jeff was watching, come to watch him as a 16 year old. And he, um, I played in the game. And within two weeks, I'd played, I played two second team games. Then I made my first class debut at the end of that month in September against Leicester. We got, battered which was hilarious you know the game was over by like tea time on day two um we were that bad um and that was the sign of the club and that's why i had to bring david boone in and then that 
that winter, I ended up in on a 19 trip to Pakistan for Christmas and New Year, which I'd, ne- I'd been out, I'd been out of the Northeast about three times in my entire life. <laughs> I'd been on an aeroplane once and I was in Pakistan and nothing against Pakistan, hands up. But the culture that I was sort of airlifted into wasn't that something that I was used to. So that I lasted a fortnight, I ended up going home and I didn't play for another 18 months. So my cricket into into cricket was wasn't it was probably a little bit about my my one day bowling. It was a bit of a roller coaster. Some of them <laughs> some were good days, some bad days, and not always in the right directions. Mate, I'm so curious about that, you know, because like in, in the last couple of months in particular, like on our with our little operation, we've started speaking to some Indian players, like some current Indian yeah. players, and like uh, for not to characterise them all the same, but like you always hear these stories of like prodigies who had special ways of playing the game from the age of two or three, and you see a lot of that footage coming through now, and it seems to me that like you have to be so good and so committed from sort of the age of two or three and it has to be your whole life. And yet reading your story and also just experiencing a bit of grade cricket and guys who've played at the top, when you get to know them, for so many guys, cricket, there might be parts of it that they love. Like I know you were into bowling so much, but maybe not the rest of the game that much. Mm. Like you learn that like it's not so much that it's a job, but they're very honest about the demands of the game and that maybe they don't love it you know, that much. It's just some, It's not so much something they just do. They respect that they play for their country and stuff, but it's not like a calling in life or, or this sort of destiny uh, where they've achieved their life ambition. It just happens that they're very, very good at it and they do it. So my question to you is, I, I know you're a little bit like that, but could you tell us maybe how, man, how many other players that you played with at the international level, with or against, you feel might have had the same view or, or relationship to cricket? I would say quite a few, to be honest. I would mm. say it, it's like you're asking you ask an international cricketer about the sort of inclusives of rules and you know the finer things of the rules, and they'll just look at you with like a deadpan face and go, "What you want about?" <laughs> and I've got no idea. I just play the game. I'm just good at the game. Yeah. I don't know the rules. You know, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'm, and I think what I found with with my career and people around me and that I played with. Um, some of the best players in the world are the ones that aren't obsessed by the game. And I mean, there's an obsession. I remember when you played early first class when 2020 first came out and you'd get back from a, a first class game at the end of a day, you come back to the hotel, obviously being away from, away from, like, from Durham. And there'll be people running to the telly to put the, to put the 2020 cricket on. And I'm like throwing, I'm throwing controls out at Rinder. <laughs> just play for seven hours. Are you not sick of it? Are you not sick of it? I'm just, you know, I put something. I'd rather watch Coronation Street or Emmerdale Farm than watch, you know, knots against Warwickshire, bring a white ball all round the ground. And yeah. I'm just not interested. And a lot of people are like that. To be honest, a lot of people are like that. And I think that they've got the ability to switch off from the game. So good dear, bad dear. Uh, guys that are up and down and emotional wrecks, you know, when they're, when they're really high, when they've got a hundred or really low, when they've, they've missed a straight one, they're the ones that fall by the wayside. They're the ones that don't make it in the international game because five days in a test match is a long time to concentrate from, mm. to stay obsessed in the moment in the three days before it are just as hard. And I think that's what constitutes a test match week. And, that was always the thing when it was cruel to say this, but I, I could pick people in at Lords first test match 
everywhere. There was, there was always a 14-man squad, England 14-man squad, first test match this summer. There was always at least two or three who were who were new to the group, who are new to the, who have been picked off the back of a good first six games in first class cricket. Might not going to play, but have been rewarded because of they've, they've had a good start of the season. And you're sitting at Lords, and after a while, I'm like, you're not going to make it. You're not going to mm. make it. And it was cruel thinking that way. But it was like, by the time a test match starts, mentally, you were knackered. Mm. They were they were gone. You get your kit on a, more, on a Monday morning, you, know, you get to Lords, everything that goes to Lords, the programs are going around, things that need signing, go out and train, come back in, and you're like a thousand miles an hour. By the time Thursday morning come, they're gone. Honestly, mm. mentally, mm. They were physically, physically fine. Adrenaline was going to get them through. But mentally, they were gone. And the, the, the international game of cricket is the hardest game to play mm. mentally in the world. It's an individual sport played by a team. Mm. And you're out there facing a the ball or bowling a ball, concentration-wise. And the three days before that, it, it takes a lot out of you when you're new to it. Mm. And I think the ones that weren't obsessed by the games, the one that could switch off, you know, finish the, finish the training and, you know, go and lie in a bed and, and just watch something that has got no nothing to do with cricket. Mm. I wonder you get others that you get others that go in and just telly on and they're watching mm. they're watching reruns of last game and the reruns of and they're like getting videos of opposition to and it's like I did a thing with Matthew Hoggard yesterday. Um as you can see me and Hoggy have have found the weight that Andrew Flintoff Andrew Flintoff lost five <laughs> stones since he played cricket. Yeah, yeah. And me and Oggy, me and Oggy have definitely found it. He's got, he's got the VAT. I think he's got a little bit extra than what I've got. But we did a cooking thing yesterday, and he had a he had, Hoggy had a simple way. You know, umpires would come in with the balls. Do you want to pick them? No, send them to Hoggard because you knew what was coming. And he went, they're all made by a fucking machine. Yes. <laughs> they're all red. Yes, they've all got a steam on. They're all round. You pick one. We bowl with it. Stumps don't move. Twenty-two yards away. The game's simple. If you if you complicate it, then it becomes harder. And yeah. that was Huggy's philosophy. And again, another one that could just switch off. Yeah. Go, you know, go farming. Go and you know, you go and talk to the animals. Huggy, go go to uh, you're at Lords. You go to London Zoo and just have a good conversation. You get more conversation talking to the animals. And you, to be fair, Huggy would get we would we would get more understanding of Huggy when he's talking to them. <laughs> But he could switch off and he'd come away. And I, I did a thing on YouTube with Michael Vaughan talking about how to go with the fast bowlers. Mm. And if you if you listen to Michael, you'll see it. If Hoggy was walking back to his mark, making animal noises, Hoggy was in a good place and just left him. And that's what that's what we had. You know, we had we had a, a great team spirit, but we had people who weren't obsessed by the game of cricket. Mm. He could switch off from it and come back to mm. it. Um, and that for me is the difference between some of the great players, mm. some of the great players and some of the players that haven't quite met it mm. at, the, at the top level because the obsession to be the best, the obsession to, you know, the cricket is their life just gets in the way because it, it, it physically, it mentally drains them in key, in key yeah. passages of the game, which, you know, sometimes they fall by the wayside because of it. And the, I mean, the guys these days play so much cricket, Harmy, as well. Yeah. We spoke to Trent Bolt last year. I think it was last year. And he took a hat-trick against Australia in a World Cup. I think that might have been at Lords. And we asked him about it. And I think he, he'd forgotten about it. He forgot that that was a thing that happened. <laughs> you took a yeah. hat-trick against India in 2004, the second ever ODI hat-trick for England after Jimmy Anderson. But I was watching you take that hat-trick. And that I could tell that that meant a lot to you in that moment. 
It did, yeah, because it, it was the second slower ball in the, in my. It, it was only the second slower ball in my career that actually worked. <laughs> yeah, the second. I think it was. I think it was. Um, I, I can see his face. He just lobbed it back at me, and there was like such a surprise on my face that he didn't pick the slower ball. <laughs> and actually, when he hit it back at me, I, I caught it. So. <laughs> It was, but it did mean something. It, it meant a lot. It, it meant a great deal because, you know, the, the games weren't as thick and fast as mm. what they are now. Mm. The game's so much faster now. I wouldn't say the quality's better. I just think overall it's 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 better for longer. Mm. Um, these guys are are machines now, and it's great to see. And it's great to see the the the. the, the, the that kids have got heroes to aspire, still got like the the, the heroes to aspire to. But mm. I say that I would not fancy being a bowler in this day and age now because, you know, the bats are getting bigger, the stumps are getting smaller, it seems, <laughs> and the grounds are getting smaller as well. So quite happily being a being a world-class cricketer from sitting in the commentary box in the commentary <laughs> studio because the minute, you know, you listen to Nasser Hussain and you listen to Michael Atherton and people like that, boy, they were great cricketers when you listen to them talk on the TV because... <laughs> Three months, two months, I think two months of realising, you know, my career's over and you move into that side. And by the third month after that, whoa, you are the world, you are the world's best, weren't you? So it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's the way the game is, unfortunately. Uh, speaking of NASA, um, you, I, I think you've said in the past you, you could – you said, you know, that you could argue that the golden era of 04 to 06 was down to NASA. He gave you guys the opportunity that just wasn't offered in the past uh, and that he is the reason for the turning point in English in English cricket. So I know you've just um, given him a little clip there for fun, but like... <laughs> I do all the time. Yeah, tell us, tell us about he was, NASA, yeah, as a skipper was, and a bloke. He was... NASA was brilliant um, in his own way. It was... It was tough love, to be fair, with NASA, if, you, if you're brutally honest. Um, I can see why likes of Goffey and Caddick and a few others fell out with him. Um, and there was, like, people throwing their boots at him. My, my first Ashes trip in 2002, we took, I think we took five, four players that were injured before we even left England. And I think we picked a couple up as we got to Perth. <laughs> um, and it was hilarious. We played a... a, a I think it was the it might have been Western Australia's second team. We got beat. We got we got beat. NASA's there's a set of crutches in the room. NASA's NASA's having a go at Fred for not Andrew Flintoff for not being fit, who had just had a double hernia operation about two months earlier. Yeah, Goffey with a bad knee, who all the will in the world, we were Goffey was never gonna be fit for that for that trip. But we took him on a we took him on a plane journey just for the sake of it. And there were his two two sort of key men. And the, Goffey was his best bowler, um, and and Freddie was going to balance balance a side out that we, you know, we're gonna, we were playing against the best side in the world, um, and I think that got to Nasta's frustration. And there was one game at one night, one afternoon at the end of when he got out, and he had a, and I'm sitting in the dressing room, and I've got Goffey slanging it, hurling him insults at Nasser, Nasser throwing things at Goffey, telling him to get fit. I think his boots went one way, Nasser's. Cricket kit went the other way. And I'm going, we're getting beat off Western Australia's second team. We have got Hayden Langer, Ponton, Gilchrist, Martin, Steve Waugh, Brett Lee, Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne, Gillespie. 
we've got these to come in a three weeks to, two weeks time and we're getting beat off of, <laughs> off a bunch of club cricketers and my hero Darren Goff and my captain are now fighting with each other I'm not sure this trip's going to go very well so but NASA was NASA was great I'm honestly I, I I do take the mickey out of him quite a bit but he was he, at the time in my career that I what I needed NASA was the was what we needed Ian, to Ian, both of them having a go at him, telling him if I was Steve Harmison, I'd throw the ball at him. No beefy, it wasn't. It was NASA was right what he was doing. He was making sure that we understood, learning the game as we going along, and and understood what what the team was needing at the time. He's under immense pressure, and the Michael Vaughan era, Michael Vaughan era was only it was built on the the foundation that Nasser was saying gives you that tough love and it was the right time for NASA to move over. You know, we would, we, we started to understand each other's game. We knew that the team was going to move, move on. We needed a little bit more of a relaxed captain outlook of what was going on because we didn't need the, the instructions that, you know, firm instructions that, that NASA was, was given. And if it is a fault, which I don't believe it is a fault, there's a guy that loved playing for England and wanted England to win so much. I talked earlier about the obsession. Mm. That was that was a bit like that was what Nasser Hussein was. He is a brilliant broadcaster now. Mm. I think he's probably one of the best on the TV. Mm. And I'll not have many bad words said about Nasser unless they're coming out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just on to the uh, one of the more forgotten series in Test cricket history, the 2005 Ashes, Harmy, um, that, no, yeah. that no one ever talks about. Um, <laughs> one of the um, one of the sort of the, the, the the key man, the catalyst in that series was Gary Pratt, um, who obviously ran out Ricky Ponting. And uh, I'd imagine did, that, yeah. I'd imagine that uh, he played his club cricket at Newcastle Cricket Club. He, he was playing at Durham yeah. at the time. I think you were playing at Durham at the yeah. same time. So I think you would have known him relatively well beforehand. But but what was yeah. Gary Pratt like on the circuit afterwards when he was on the rooftop buses going around uh, Trafalgar Square? It was amazing. I couldn't stop looking at I was like, what are you doing on this bus? Um, <laughs> I, he ran Ricky Ponting out. Yeah, fine. I got uh, look. I, I watched Gary Pratt grow up. I played with his older brother Andrew. Um, I didn't play with his, his other older his, his brother older again Neil. He was just a bit before my time with with Durham. They were a family obsessed by the game of cricket. Um, two, and to be harsh and to be cruel, two thousand and five ended his cricket career. It did. It ended his cricket career. I thought he was a, he was a fantastic batsman. And I mean, as a young player, he was a, he was a fantastic player. Yeah. He was he wouldn't have been far away in development, carrying on, of being on the verge of you know challenging for a place in that side outright. There was one game we played at Ilford. Ilford, I'll never forget. Like, Shui Law was captain of Essex. We chased two hundred and twenty for two down, and Pratt and a, a kid called Nicky Peng, who had a who got a he was another one who was. You know, destined for big things, but Neil, the Zimbabwe bowler, Neil Johnson, hit him on mm. the back of the head. Not too dissimilar, not too far away from the tragic thing that happened with Phil Hughes. And, and Pengy never got never got his his feet back going forward again, and his career sort of slowed down a bit. But him and Peng, Pratt and Peng, got hundreds in the game, and it was it was two young lads under the age of twenty, and I was like, wow, this is we've got two two sort of unbelievable young players here. This is something special. Um, and 2005, he just, he stopped playing cricket. He was, he was the fielder and that was it. He, he didn't go back to Durham and play a great deal of second team cricket to get him back in the first team. It seemed to go to his head a little bit that he was this, he was this superstar fielder 
Um, and I don't think his cricketing career ever really recovered. He got a little bit of fame and fortune, not much when it comes to his 15 minutes of fame. And then he disappeared. And it's a shame because I thought that lad had a lot of talent as a cricketer himself. Mm. Um, but what a fielder. He was a fantastic fielder. Mm. We knew we knew when we brought him in that he was a, a fantastic fielder. But for two years before that, every chance we got to bring a 12th man in, if he was available, it was always Paul Collingwood. Paul mm. Collingwood was, was the Gary Pratt before he made his test match debut and, and Collie would come and do the, and do the field. And then that was the manipulation of the system that mm. England, well, we, we always used to make sure that if a 12th man goes off, you've got one of the best fielders in the country coming on. We had another little kid from Durham as well, Gary Park, um, playing the point on a play for Derbyshire. I think he did another fantastic fielder. So it, it the, the one thing that disappoints me about the whole, and then, and it is a lot of, off a bit of hindsight, but Gary Pratt came on the field for Simon Jones. Mm. Simon Jones never played cricket again after that. Yeah. After after going off the field there. Yeah. Um, so the only twelfth man we had in the building at the time was Gary Pratt because everybody else had gone off. I think Chris Tremlett had gone off to play for for Hampshire. So you know, it, if it wasn't Gary Pratt, it would have been somebody else. Would they have ran Ponton out? Possibly not, but. He, uh, he definitely had his 15 minutes of fame. Ah, good fielding. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey, Army, I'm, not sure, um, I'm not sure Ricky saw the funny side of it. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> kind of what makes it funny, you know. <laughs> but, um, he's actually, he's actually laughing, that, laughing at Duncan Fletcher after yeah. so he was laughing a bit. Well, that was, that was just about to mention that because anybody, that anybody that makes Duncan Fletcher smile, I'll tell you what, it's <laughs> that mean feet. You've got to, you've got to be ready for that one. Yeah, sometimes he gets sometimes he gets wind, and then sometimes he makes him smile. And I must admit, in eight and a half years, oh, eight years playing cricket in and around Duncan, I never met him smile. <laughs> I met him frown a few times, but I never. I don't think I ever really met him smile. So. Uh, Army, um, I mean, I have to skip over a bit of your career because we're sort of running out of time a little bit, and also it'd be really good to chat with you again because there's so much to talk about. Mm. Uh, no doubt you'll you'll cover this kind of stuff on your YouTube channel as well. But I want to pick up. You, we're just talking about you know the the good old days. Pontings, your your, your mm. Freddie Flintoffs, mm. NASA Hussains and stuff, and some of the guys from that generation have been quite vocal recently about the way guys today, particularly in the England top order, are batting. You know, we're really curious what you think about England's chances heading into Australia. They've got great pace attack, um, but nobody here, or it seems in England, thinks that you blokes can score a run. Um, is there a problem with with their techniques? Do you not wonder whether old blokes just think that their techniques were better? Is the answer somewhere in the middle? Uh, how do England score a run out here? Well, the simple way of answering that, I, I, I've had I, I seen Nasser the other, oh, a few weeks ago when he when he was passionate about going back to basics. And I was talking with to Mark Butcher with it, and it was like, well, where's your basics? These guys, the guys are standing up tall. No, you know, they're not. Bent leg, you know, the bats are a million mile in the air. Where's your where's your cricket in basics? Where you asked where does Dom where's Dom Sibley? Where's Rory Burns? As basic technique, because there's that many moving parts, there's that many things going out and away and coming back. Bowlers at international cricket, they don't give you many bad balls. I'm a great, a great interview with, with Ricky Ponton talking about Warner McGrath, and they were saying if people wait for the bad ball. Of, of Glenn or of, of, of Shane. It's like they bought five bad balls in 90 overs between them. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you wait for the bad, but it's not coming. So you have to do something about it. And that just seems that with the England, with the England batsmen, you just got to put four or five balls in and around off stump and they'll nick one of them at this moment in time. And I think when you've got a funny and a weird technique, if it's not all in, in sync and in tune every single second of the, of the, of the game, that you're going to get out. I watched Sibley get out yesterday. It was a good ball yesterday. My young Potts from Durham got him out. But it was a ball that an international bowler would bowl. It went into off stump. It swung just away. And his hands were out in front of himself and he nicked it. And if England don't get their top three right, or the England's top three don't get right, then I don't see them having any chance against India or Australia. Mm. If England get their top three, and the, the, it's not so much the actual runs they score in the top three, it's the balls, the face. If they face balls, England have got a good chance of beating India and Australia because the middle order, the powerhouse they've got and the, what they've got going down the line. And I still think they've got a bone attack that can can challenge anywhere in the world. You know, when they come to Australia, you'll have Broado Anderson with two two guys who bowl, you know, whether Stones fit, Woods fit, Archers fit. You've got two guys that can bowl in excess of 90 mile an hour there. Three guys that can that. So two of them plus a broad Anderson, I would imagine will be and Wokes will be will play between the five test match. To go with to go with Stokes, then I think you've got a, a, a decent bowling attack. But if England's middle order get exposed, especially against the Kookaburra, which doesn't last for very long anyway, um, then England are in, in, in big, big trouble. But if the bat well at the top, nullify the the, the new the new ball moving or, or bouncing, then I think we've got a series on both in England against India, and in and and I think England will feel the same about Australia's top order. I think England will feel as though they can get at potentially get at England um, Australia's batting unit. Um, but if you only get 220, 250, mm-hmm. especially in especially in the Southern Hemisphere, you're not winning any Test matches. You'll end Broad's career. You'll end Anderson's career because they'll be in the field for such a long period of time. Mm. And just last one for me, Harmy. Obviously, um, Jimmy Anderson, 1,000 thousand first-class wickets, I think, yesterday he took mm. that. Uh, yesterday, uh, yeah. yeah I mean, where, where does he fit in the pantheon of great fast bowlers? Is he is he number one? I think he's number one, Matt. I really do. Uh, I'm not just saying that because he's he's English and I, I, I played a, a lot of cricket with Jimmy. He's got 51 fifers. 51 five-wicket <laughs> holes. That's ridiculous. Um, he's 38 year old and he doesn't seem to geek. I watched the, I watched the, 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 the wickets last night and um, I seen some of the bowling that he bowled yesterday. He bowled a 10 over spell straight through. He was bowling balls. If he had been playing international cricket on that surface, he would have got seven for 19. Mm-hmm. He would have got seven for 19 because there was balls that he didn't get wickets with, which mm-hmm. would have got Virat Kohli out. It would have got <laughs> Jika Rahani out, Pajara out. All the top Indians out. This guy, he only only got he only just got seven wickets because the ones that he, he managed to bowl a little bit straighter, that the, the batsman could hit, hit, nicked. And the ones that were in and around that good area of international cricket, around off stump and just outside, where players players play and, and nick a little bit more, uh, they would have nicked them. The, the only reason he didn't get more wickets is because I didn't get it for less runs was because the batsmen couldn't, they weren't good enough to hit them. <laughs> he, he had that thing on a bit of string yesterday and he just seems to be getting better and better. Mm. Um, I think he's, I think he's the best of all time because he doesn't need the conditions to, to move the ball laterally. He got it going um, even in the, in the Southern hemisphere when not, not a great deal. He uses the angles, he uses his crease well, great wrist position 
I think he is the best. I really do. You know, the likes of you know, Big Glenn and Walsh and Ambrose. You know, I can go you can go through the whole list. Um I just think I just think Jimmy Jimmy goes past them because of the age and longevity and everything that he's gone with it. Yeah. Some will argue that he, he had the conditions more in his favour for for a for half the year as opposed to the likes of McGrath having to bowl um or Wakar or, or Wazim having to bowl in the southern hemisphere. But I, I, I still, I still think Jimmy's the the all time greatest. Steve Harmison, thanks so much for joining us, mate. We can catch more of your uh, analysis and views of all types. You know what David Byrne was like in the showers, and is Jimmy Anderson number one <laughs> on your on your YouTube channel, um, Harmy? And and to those out there. Uh, we won't be posting subtitles, I think, between a Geordie and a couple of Aussies. It's going to be tough <laughs> for a few people. But, um, mate, really appreciate your time. It's very early in the morning in the UK. So hopefully we can catch you again, mate, because I really enjoyed it. And there's much more to cover. Not a problem. Thanks for having me anytime. Hashtag RCDC, Pez. Uh, now, Pez, we, uh, we spoke to uh, Shreyas Iyer. Some would say a future Indian captain. Some would. Uh, and uh, he is coming back from injury. We had the wonderful opportunity to speak to him and his team. <laughs> Both during and afterwards. <laughs> and uh, during that interview, Pez, we, uh, he mentioned that uh, he played club cricket in the UK. Uh, it's the, For those people who just consumed TGC through the ears, this interview is on YouTube. Uh, you can find that and us on YouTube. Mm. Um but uh, he was talking about his, his housemate that he played club cricket with in the UK. He played for a team called, oh, God, I can't think of the name of the team that he played for in the UK. Clifton Village. Clifton Village. Good from you. Yeah, yeah. And he averaged like 40. And then the next year he went for 2.6 crore in the IPL. What's that? Heaps. That's a shit ton. <laughs> he went for heaps. That's a shit ton of and coin. in that first year of the IPL, he won like the... Um, the like Best ri- emerging ri- player. Yeah, Rising Star, whatever. Um, so he was good, but not in England. That's swinging ball. You know, swinging jukes. Anyway... He was just telling some stories about uh, his friend James, uh, who he lived with, and the, well, gra- the great experiences that he uh, that he uh, shared with James. It's a bit of a like a, a coming together of cultures when you talk to like an, an out and out Indian superstar. He just come from the under nineteen World Cup. Yeah, and but like us talking to him, he's he's basically he's the captain. He's the captain of the Delhi Capitals, owing to whatever the owners decide to do. He speaks about that on the show, right? But like complete superstar, unimpeachable superstar of Indian cricket. We're just blokes who played at, you know, Chatswood Oval and Ride Oval respectively. Mm-hmm. And England, you know, and playing club cricket in England is like a fertile meeting ground for all this because all the all the superstars go and play there or whatever. Uh, and so we're trying to sort of get a connection with him there and he start, and he's talking about playing at Clifton Village. And we're like, are you still in touch with anybody from Clifton Village? Like, yeah, I've got a friend called James. Mm. His friend James. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Funny you should say that, Pez, because uh, James Hollingsworth wrote in uh, via email. He said, boys... After, ho- after this interview. After the interview, he says, hope you will. Just watch your Shreyas interview on YouTube. As is my want, I like to introduce myself as a four-times Premier League champion, three-time knots, one-time derby, century maker in the VTCA first grade for Royal Park Brunswick, That's Alex Hales' opening partner before his tats, and Shreyas' housemate in the UK. I thought I would share a couple of memories of Shreyas in the UK that have stuck with me. Firstly... I painted his room before he arrived and got him a nice bed. Annoyingly, the bed was too soft, so he slept on the floor. 
Shreyas never drank alcohol. Me and the boys would go out drinking, circuiting, and he would just dance and dance and do magic tricks in the corner of the dance floor. He outfitted me in a Sunday game by beating me to Trent Bridge cricket team record of 151. He got 171 off 98 balls. Shouldn't have invited him to play. Hitting his first ball for six over the pavilion, over extra cover, off an ex-county spinner. Generally, best player I've played with or against. Stuart Law is up there. Yep, played against him also. He's a cracking lad, and we still keep in touch today. Obviously, I message him first. Usually, my pictures of my dog or something I've built in the garden, or, or something I've built in the garden, or a casual good knock, mate. Love the show, lads. It reminds me of my time in Oz. Congrats on the successes, James. Um, nice to hear from you, James. I don't know about you, but I mean, what was your thought on the, the main theme of what James was telling us there? Bought him a bed, slept on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> what I took from that was James just letting us know that he could play a bit as yeah, well. Yeah, he was on a bad <laughs> stick. It was a yeah. classic. Yeah. yeah. He's really, he really managed us to crowbar. But I think yeah. most of it is about things that he achieved in cricket. Yeah. Which is good. That's what you want. Yeah. P.S. I know someone you spoke to. <laughs> <laughs> I just really like that when Shreyas was talking about it, he was, he was just saying like, yeah, I know James. Yeah, James. Yeah. Yeah. Not well though. <laughs> The one he wrote to us, we have to let him know. He's talking about another James, mate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, well done on the 100 in the VTCA first grade Royal Park, Brunswick. Took my dog for a walk in Royal Park the other day. Yep. What's VTCA? Fucked if I know. <laughs> get, <laughs> you get some coin there, though, apparently. Yeah. You get more coin. Oh, good if you can get yeah. it. Royal Park, Brunswick. I wouldn't be saying that out loud too often, brother. <laughs> Alex Sorry. Howe's opening partner before his tats. Like his tats changed him. Once that, once that ink gone to the bloodstream. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? You can kind of, he obviously is good. He's like, he plays with Shreya Sire hey, and Alex Hales. I don't know. Like, he's playing for fucking Royal Park Brunswick. Have a go in Premier Cricket, brother. Mate, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about um, outside of the, outside of um, India. Like, I don't know if Shreya Sire gets enough love for how nah. fucking good a player he is. Like, yeah. I don't think it would mean as much to yeah. um, the West as it might do in <laughs> India, right? But, like, um, I just love the idea that at one time they were just, like, circuiting and, like, Shreyas Iyer is taking some cards out and he's just doing magic tricks in the corner of a dance exactly. floor. Mate, who is that bloke who, uh, oh, yeah, yeah he captains Indian team now. Yeah. He's worth about 30 million. Hey, yeah, you're on this call <laughs> with him. There's eight blokes, like, managing every word, <laughs> writing transcripts out. He's gone for 2.6 crore, yeah. you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. And then, you know, they're like, oh, you know, got to, got to be really careful of how, of how yeah. it comes out. Yeah. And then another bloke, his mate James writes in goes, yeah, just in the corner doing magic tricks. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Clifton Village, you know, uh, like cricket pavilion. I bought you a bit like too soft. little strobe light going in England, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's chases from, from the, the office. office. <laughs> Dancing doing. It's the Ace of Spades. <laughs> it's a real leveller. For some reason, Wern and Hogs there. Mm. Um, yeah, all right. Um, Steve writes in, Pez. Dear TJC, I'm looking for advice. My son is 17. Sorry, I just realised I just started reading this. Ah, go. Uh, my son is 17. He finished school cricket in March this summer. He also filled in for a local park club when available. I'm somewhat proud of him. <laughs> he opened the bowling for his school in a good side. I only got to a couple of games due to golf commitments and would try to sit behind the bowler's arm. Gave him some feedback in the car home. He says I'm too negative, but my, but my reply is just stating facts, mate. Interestingly, when playing park, he would open for second grade, but was third change for sixth grade. Not sure how that. Not sure how that works. I only got to one of those games as the other old blokes in the team can fill my role as his advisor. 
He enjoyed the banter from the older guys. Heaps funnier than school cricket, he reckons. Regarding my cricket career, it was pretty light. Played as a kid, as a keeper, as a keeper batsman, but quit after under-13s. If my cricket was around then, I'd have averaged in the low teens. A couple of trophies and baggy caps are in the garage somewhere. Getting glasses when I turned 14 changed things in hindsight, pun intended. I should have continued for a couple more years. That's the background. The reason I'm contacting you is this. The Park team's presentation night was last weekend. As he's doing his HSC, we told our son to come home at 10.30 when the RSL closes anyway. He was in contact with his mum via text at 10.25, saying he was leaving soon and would be home by 10.45. Still not home at 1am, my wife was very worried. He hadn't answered his phone or texts. I woke up at 1.15am after hearing him trip over the puppy gates inside our house. He came into our room gibbering and swaying. We sent him to bed to address it when he was sober. Turns out he went uh, from the RSL to a local pub with a few of the younger but over-18 park players. He's going to be grounded, just interested in what length of time you blokes recommend. My wife and I would appreciate your thoughts. Cheers, Steve. <laughs> well, well, his son's out of circuit. His son's out of circuit, and Steve, old, yeah. <laughs> He's 17. <laughs> yeah, and he had his HSC. Yeah, he, he illegally circuited. You know, like, when I reflect upon my time playing grade cricket and starting when I was 16 or 17, yeah. I realised how, and this is at a time when there were men playing, as in in their late 20s, who felt like gods, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. or their early yeah. 30s. Yeah. How impressionable I was as a 17-year-old to the actions of other men. Oh, yeah. You know? But like, a lot of penis tricks and stuff going around. I yeah. find myself in Madrid, you know, a year later doing the same tricks. Yeah. Embarrassed. Yeah. Shame, ashamed, looking yeah. back on that. Yeah. And I'm just thinking... Walking down Los Ramblers, just buying some offies. Seeing a wristwatch sort of stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But, but Steve's son is circuited with some just over 18s, yeah. it sounds like. So very impressionable at that age. Well, I see a connection, he goes. Okay. You know? Like Steve's looking at, looking at how to punish his son. Mm-hmm. Looking at how to punish his son. Mm-hmm. But when I read the early chat about Steve's relationship to his son, he... Sort of, he said he was somewhat proud of him, and he always gave him negative feedback, or at least in his son's view, negative feedback. Steve's off playing golf. Steve's off playing golf, and now his son's on the eve of his HSC, and he's starting to look at some other blokes over eighteen for, you know, for some influence. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Hmm. And Steve wants to Steve wants to punish him, <laughs> widen that gap. I've got no idea how to parent a seventeen year old son. <laughs> I'm just wondering if Steve needs to look a little closer to home. I um I when I was seventeen. I told my mum I was going to the movies, and uh, I went to the Bacardi Festival. <laughs> and I ended up in the cross. Or was I 16? 16 yeah. or 17? Yeah. I told my mum I was going to, like, uh, the, yeah, the, the movies. And then it got to, like, 12 or something. She was like, where are you? Like, phone calls. This is, like, early day mo- early days. Yeah, we were, like, 5110 well. or something? What do you, what do you, what do you want to no, hear? I, I, I had a flip phone. I forget what it was. Oh, flip phone. Okay. Yeah, I had, oh, a, I had, a, I had a razor. I had That's a, making bank. I had a <laughs> no. I just rolled some cunt for it. <laughs> for fifty no, cents on a didn't. lighter. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you didn't. Um, that Veronica Vaughan. Um, no. Uh, I can't remember what fun. I, uh, I did have a Motorola Razor, but that was after school. I had that anyway. Mm, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it was like 
it got to like about two in the morning, came home and I was flogged. Mm-hmm. So I met at the Bacardi Festival, then yeah. ended up at the Cross. I remember the Bacardi Festival. Oh, man, it was so good. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, got in, I got in big trouble then. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so, because I told my parents that I was, um, uh, I was going to the movies uh, to watch a, a, a romantic comedy. And uh, I went up to the King's Cross, which was run by bikies at the time. Yes, at the time. Yeah, all mm-hmm. good. Well, so that's my experience. Thankfully, the Premier would later on decide that um, New South Wales Premier later on decide that you could only go out in um, areas where there were casinos <laughs> and they closed down the cross. Yeah, that was safer mm. for everyone. It was safer. Foot, cra- foot traffic. Yeah, that's right. Uh, how long should he ground him for? Um, I don't. So this would have been. Three months. Teach him a lesson. Three months. Teach Fuck him, me. Teach him a fucking lesson. Well, if you just make him keep playing cricket mm. for 10 to 12 years. Indeed. Indeed. One more? Yeah, one more. Greg Cantlett writes in, oh! I write to you as a long-suffering Black Caps fan in a quandary. Our newfound status as World Test Champions does not sit well with me and I do not know what to do. As a fan, I'm overwhelmed, but as a father, I feel a sense of crushing responsibility. <laughs> what? <laughs> crushing responsibility. For decades, I've been conditioned to accept mediocrity from our national team. I've watched as we've rolled out teams sponsored by KFC and fifth-rate telcos. <laughs> I've supported our teams with headline acts such as Ken Rutherford, Lee Jamon, and Simon Duell. In return, uh, my lot has been in return my lot has been heroic acts in defeat. Nathan Astle's 222 off 168 balls v England lost by 98 runs. Mm. Shane Bond six for 23 v Australia lost by 96 runs. Lance Kansas six sixes at the MCG lost by 149 runs. Acts which have taken on Gallipoli-esque status in the New Zealand sporting landscape. Mm. Fast forward to the 2015 Cricket World Cup and my vasectomy. <laughs> During my shield be right approach to my post-operative recovery, I put my back out after getting into an awkward position while washing the car. Hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Oh, what yeah. sort of position? When Grant Elliott deposited Dale Stain into the Eden Park terraces to send New Zealand into the World Cup final, I leapt up in celebration. Everything seemed to click all at once, both my back and the thought that maybe <laughs> we might actually be good. <laughs> I put my back out for 18 months before, and if I ever leapt up and just clicked into place, I'd be absolutely euphoric. Oh, mate. (laughs) I was at the MCG that day that we got thumped, but in my heart of hearts, I knew we were never really in with a chance. 2019, we were back again, but this felt different. We had depth, we had a good team, we could win in different ways. I dared to believe, and watched the final through the night. With the game all but won, the cricket gods intervened, and I was crushed, spiritually and emotionally. So when Ross Taylor hit the winning runs against India to become World Test Champions, I was overcome with joy. In the hours since, I've had cause to reflect on my own personal cricket journey. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> you fucking weak cunt. <laughs> is there, everything that's been written to this point has been bullshit, and this is when his actual <laughs> thing starts. Sorry, Greg. Yeah. Growing up on a farm meant that organised cricket was never on the cards for me. My father tried, but was an embarrassment at backyard cricket with a bowling action that made Paul Adams look like Richard Hadley. <laughs> <laughs> my stepfather hated this stupid fucking game. Our one shared cricket experience was me sending down my best leggy, only for him to deposit it out onto the main road, drop the bat, and walk off sledging me at the side of his mouth. Fuck it, hell. Despite my challenges, I have done well to achieve the heights of playing in local T20 business house competitions. (laughs) Fuck it, hell, what's that? (laughs) With a bunch of old fat blokes in my own way contributing to the rich tapestry of New Zealand cricket. (laughs) 
Now a father myself, <laughs> I've been preparing my two preteen boys for the Asian century by diligently whiteboarding beard vectors and researching humane methods of dislocating fingers to create the necessary precursors for mystery spin. <laughs> However, if we are indeed living in the New Zealand century, what are my responsibilities as a father of the next generation to ensure it continues? Our one weakness is the lack of a bloke that can turn the ball. So maybe that whole finger thing has merit? (laughs) And if Kane Williamson is now the biggest of all daddies, isn't it time for Kane Richardson to cede the title of Big Daddy Kane? I don't think Kane Richardson has the title of Big Daddy Kane, does he? Mm. Kane, Kane is the Big Daddy. No yeah. doubt about that. Yeah, so um, oh, without a doubt, this is New Zealand century. I also think that there could be something going with England as well. Obviously, won the 2019 World Cup. Could be, they could be bringing home the Euros here. Um, I guess they, their, their test team's still shit. But, um, and just for background, he goes like, when um, – what's this guy's name? Greg. So when Greg, when Greg talks about like the, the whole finger thing, yeah. for those who were catching up, we had a – I hope, I presume he's talking about this. We had yeah. an email from Nick Elliott. Who, who wrote an ask to saying, can we combat the Asian century with hammers? <laughs> yeah. um, hammers to fingers to dislocate fingers. So blokes can buy some offies. Yeah, like he says, it's clear by now that exposure to Western constrictions at a young age reduces the chances of bowling like Ashwin Murali to absolute zero. So instead of Michael Atherton offering false encouragement with platitudes such as keep that leading arm high and accelerate through the crease, shouldn't we be encouraging young spinners to smash their own fingers with hammers? in hopes that their bones might heal in such a manner that allows them to bowl a delivery that looks vaguely illegal. Shouldn't we be dislocating wrists and separating shoulders in search of freakish physiological advantages? <laughs> um, what I'm asking is, is the Asian century inevitable and would I be better off making peace with it now or do you think I'm onto something with the hammers and shit? <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what Greg's asking. Yeah. Um, I know, yeah if, if Mitchell Santner... Just started to absolutely rag him. But it's still left arm, isn't it? It's still left arm orthodox. Like, no one's... I mean, Axel Patel's doing some shit, I suppose. But it would be really exciting. That's... The New Zealand team lacks sex for me. Like, it's a great... Carl Jamison brought some sex. He brought some sex. That's a good point. Even... He brought good sex. Wagner... Wagner has got something about him, but that's... He's been running a one-man show until Jamo's coming to the team. It depends what sex you like, doesn't it? Yeah, I a suppose so. style of sex. Yeah, but at the moment, it's all very like missionary, lights off, three and a half minutes polite, read a poem beforehand, cuddling afterwards. You think that's what Kane Williamson is? A little bit, yep. You think yep. he's missionary, straight, boring sex? Yep. Fucking yes, I hell. do. Yes, I do. Really? It's very technically correct. He'll take you there. He'll take you places you've never been. He'll make you see colours you haven't seen in years. Okay. Well, that's better sex. Yeah, but it's mm. just polite. Polite sex. Wagner is not that. Mm-hmm. Kyle Jamison brings something, but what that, what New Zealand are missing now is like some X factor with a with a with a raging Turner, mm. a real ragger. Ish Sodi fine bowler in, in the in the white ball stuff. Mm. It's pretty straight though. It's kind of straight breaky. I want so someone to bowl it, wrist spin. Is it worth? Is it worth Greg taking the gamble for his country to try and do what Nick suggests to try and smash his children's fingers and shoulders with hammers? To see if they reform yeah. in ways that give them a physiological advantage. Yes. Get the hammers out. That's exactly what I'm saying. And when docs come, or whatever the New Zealand equivalent is. I'd be surprised if New Zealand weren't already onto this, because, say in contrast to Australia, mm. the, the country seems very cohesive when it comes to cricket, and I think their mm. plan has been a long time coming. Everything is in place. The only thing missing is the fingers and shit player. And I wouldn't be surprised if they already have one in the wings and we're only sort of a couple of years away from it. You know what that World Test Championship lollipop was? It's actually a big mallet. That's Kane how Williamson New Zealand should go around. 
Yeah. Getting kids' fingers on tables and bashing the fuck out of their fingers with yep. that mace thing. Bang on. People were saying, what do you, how am, like Aussies were saying, how am I meant to drink out of this mace? That's mm. why we're creatively struggling. We're creatively second rate. Mm. New Zealand won that mace. They're going to put that mace to work. Yeah. They know how to make the yeah. most of small of short resources. That's right. They're already smashing fingers and shoulders as we speak yep. right now. Good on them. Thank you so much to Steve Harmison, who we haven't spoken to yet, but thank you, thank you anyway uh, for coming to the show. Thank you out there for listening. As ever, we'll see you next week. And if you want more of this, hashtag RCDC Fridays on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash great cricket. But until then, we'll see you guys right here on the internet. Cheers.